Hello, this is Leslie Garfa Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today I'm speaking with author and attorney Rachel Gezersay about tips to make sure that you find the job that you want after law school. Rachel Gersesay is an attorney at Liang Lai in Los Angeles and the author of the Break into Big Law blog. She just published her book, The Law Career Playbook, The Guerrilla Guide to Getting a Legal Job You Actually Like, which debuted as a top pick on Amazon.com. Rachel shares tips and scripts that help you with your networking process, a key to success in the job hunt. And she talks today about how tapping into the hidden job market can lead to the job of your dreams. Before we begin, a small request. If you like us, please subscribe or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you use. Want to send us suggestions? You can reach us at lawtofact.gmail.com. And all of our podcasts are organized by topic on our website, www.lawtofact.com. Here's my discussion with Rachel Gerzese. As the author of the Break into Big Law blog and um, your Law Career Playbook, um, I'm happy to have you. I know my listeners are happy to have you. And one of the things that I find that my students find frustrating is that the career services offices don't always meet the needs or their expectations. And so what really appealed to me about what you say is that you have some guidelines on how to market yourself, make yourself presentable that may be different from what they're hearing from career services. So I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on something like that. You know, so I think, um, and I do hear that a lot, unfortunately. And that was the, actually when the, the chord that was struck when I, when I started my blog um, in 2014, I was shocked actually by how many people would write in and say, look, you know, I'm interested potentially in big law, but really I just want to get a job and my career services is not helping me or they don't get me or they're me or, you know, <laughs> whatever it was, you know, but, and it didn't matter. It was across the board, whether it was great, you know, people with really good grades still felt that career services wasn't doing what they needed to do. Right. And because I actually do a lot of speaking for, you know, wh- where it's uh, promoted by career services. So I don't, it's not, I don't feel like my message is, is against or adverse to career services, but I feel like there is a disconnect and it's, it seems to be nationwide no matter what school. <laughs> and, you know, it, it may just be that, um, you know, the market as it stands for students, what students are dealing with right now is not what the career services professional is currently dealing with themselves, right? They're, they're working career services now, and perhaps there's a disconnect there. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I do hear that a lot. But I do think that students should use career services as a tool. They should use whatever resources that are offered there, but they should never think that the buck stops there. Right. They, build out networks and take charge of their careers outside of, of what the school's offering. They should use it and utilize it. Um, right. but they need to be thinking of this as I always tell my students, they need to be the C, you know, CEO of themselves. Mm-hmm. They need to take charge of the product, which is themselves. No one's going to do that better than themselves. Career services is there with resources, but they need to do it themselves. That's, that's great advice. All right. So, so give me five concrete things that students can do for themselves. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing, you know, I, I, the, the, the backbone of my book and of my class that I teach law career lab is the, this concept of the informational interview. Right. And, you know, students will often, you know, they'll roll their eyes at me and say, Oh, I know what that is. I heard about that in college. Um, And by the way, I do speak to a lot of college students because I feel like they have the most time (laughs) Mm -hmm. these, but it works for law students too. But really students need to do research 
right? They need to use LinkedIn. They need to use super lawyers. They need to use whatever online resources there are to gather intel, to identify, I call them targets, mm-hmm. um, attorneys, professionals that they want to connect with, and they need to book those interviews. They need to think of themselves as a sponge, right? So these, the purpose of these interviews is not to get a job right away, right? It's not, it's, it's a long-term strategy to build out your network and be a sponge and learn from professionals, connect with people, build this out. Um, because then, you know, when it comes time in law school, you know, to get a job, right, you'll have this network of advocates who know you. What a great idea. So, right. So, yeah. so you're suggesting set up informational interviews as early as before going to law school and maybe yes. in your 1L year. And, and also, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hiring person, but I'm assuming that people are less intimidated at the concept of an informational interview because they don't yes. feel bad if there's nothing to give you, you know, everyone will give you time, but they don't feel that saying they'll, they'll say they're more likely to say yes. If they know that they're not being held to hire you for a job. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and I think, and, and it's this whole idea of relationship building, right. And, and when you sit there, you know, the way I tell my students to do these is first you do the research. So you do a lot, all this upfront work and my book covers this about this. I set the exact way to figure out how to find these people, how to do the research, what research to compile, what right. And, and, and I don't mean to, but let's say, the, let's, yeah. let's repeat the name of your book, which is The Law Career Playbook. Is it on yeah. Amazon? It is on Amazon. Right. It is actually a new, number one new release. I'm so happy. <laughs> wow. And it just came out a couple of days ago. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, right. no, it's, it's, it's really exciting. So um, uh, the people are really responding. I've had it out in a pre-sale phase and students have been using it for mm-hmm. or so. And the results, I mean, have been incredible, but I knew that from the class. I knew right. that the methods work, right? Over and, four years. And the- the class is a class you teach at USC. Is that correct? I'm currently teaching at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have taught the class, though, at my law school, Southwestern Law School in Los Angeles. I've taught it at Loyola. I've taught it at Pepperdine. Um, and um, I'm looking to teach it elsewhere, too. <laughs> I've seen, you know, the impact of it actually works. And it can be done in a weekend course. It can be done in a longer eight-session course, which is how I did it at Southwestern. Mm-hmm. But the weekend courses work, too, because the idea is you change the mindset of how you think about this, how, how you do this, and it becomes a daily strategic practice of setting up these interviews. What are some of the things that you teach in your course that students can take away from listening to this conversation? Right. So, you know, it's, it's you, the, the first, the tenet is, of course, the, the informational interview, right? But, mm-hmm. but there's much work that has to be done before you even go there, right? So you need to first identify it. Just take a look at yourself, right? Look at what you're bringing to the table right now. What, what experience do you have? Who do you already know? Where do you go to school? Where did you go to school? Where did you work? Because those, I call them warm connections, right? Those things, you, you, I also call it shaking the apple tree. You need to figure out first, who can you connect with that's already a warm connection in your network who will definitely get back to you and who will want to help you? And, you know, if it's not someone who already knows you through work or through family, then the next best thing is alumni of the school that you are going to, will go to, um, or, you know, went to, right? Mm-hmm. Those people um, are people who are very likely going to get back to you, right? But then outside of that, you need to do the research in the things that you're interested in. And a lot of times, college students and law students have no idea what, what right. they're interested in. Right. They don't know, right? Um, which is great. I love it when students don't know because I just tell them, all right, pick something. Pick, pick something that in your perfect world you could potentially be interested in, right? That whatever it may be, go on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is is an incredible tool, right? Where you can find 
thousands of local professionals doing exactly that, pull down their profile and reach out to them, go meet them, see them after talking to them. Is that actually really something after hearing what they do from a nine to five or nine to eight or nine to 12 basis, right? at least something you could see yourself doing. If so, great. Let's meet more. Get them to give you names. Meet those people. If not, great. Now you know. Go back to the drawing board. Pick something else. Mm-hmm. The only way that these students are going to figure out what it is that they really want to do is by meeting the people, being the sponge, gathering the information, putting that inside their heads and really kind of like living with it and seeing like, is that actually something that I'd be interested? Would I actually want to work with that person at the place where they work? Mm-hmm. Just going through that process, I call it iteration method, right? Like students, it's much like when they're building products in Silicon Valley and they iterate the products, right? They have these, these prototypes, right? Try different things. And if it doesn't work, go back to the drawing, try it again. It's the same thing when you're doing your, when with your product yourself, when you're trying to go through this process of trying to find a career, a law career that's going to fit for you. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that, that sounds like that's such a good idea. I, I also, I mean, I like a few things that you pointed out. Number one is that you can go to lawyers who didn't go to your law school, but went to the same undergraduate school as you. Yes. And that's so, so that, that widens your network, you know, and, and it seems like people tend to think of, you know, family, friends and uncles. But one of the things that students need to understand is that everyone wants to give back to the community, that everyone was where they were and that you're actually doing lawyers a favor because you're yes. giving them a chance to get out of their, you know, work head and do something that makes them feel like, I don't want to call it pro bono, that's not fair, but at least makes them feel like they're doing something, you know, of value. No, I, I agree with that. And actually, that was my experience. That was why when I started this whole venture of my blog of Breaking the Big Law, the reason why I started is because I was a pretty burnout big law attorney at Jones Day, and it wasn't Jones Day's fault. It was just that I wasn't getting what I needed to get out of the work. I, I felt unfulfilled and yet felt bad about that because here I had this dream job and, and why am I feeling bad? And, you know, so it was this really kind of yucky cycle to be in. I decided, you know, people had always, you know, asked me, how did you do it? How did you get your job? It's amazing. So I was like, okay, well, how did I do it? Let me reverse engineer what I did <laughs> and put it out there into the world because maybe at the time I was the only Southwestern grad who worked at Jones Day, which is a huge... Thousand attorney law firm. Right. No, you said, kind of, I was thinking that actually. So <laughs> it know. bothered me. So I was like, if I put the if I put the step by step guide out there in the form of a blog, maybe others will figure out that yeah, it's they could it's doable. Right. It's, it's I'm never I never sugarcoated. I never told people, oh yeah, anybody can do this. Um, you have to. It's you really have to hustle. <laughs> right. Right do it. Um, and certainly, certain things do need to be in place. For example, I was top ten percent, but I was. I was the last person in the top 10%. So I had just made the cutoff to be considered. There are certain things that need to be in place. But if, if people are, are there, if they hit those thresholds and yet are still not, you know, they, they, there's things they can do to make sure it happens, right? So that's what I, that's, and, and when I did that and I started giving back and speaking and, and, and just mentoring students, it just changed everything for me. I actually suddenly came to love my practice again. Wow, that's great. You know, it, it, it actually... Yeah, it it made me um, love the law again. Um, so it's really interesting to see it through their eyes, right? To see their excitement and, and it just brought a freshness to it. So anyway, I, I agree with you 100% that it helps attorneys to do these interviews. <laughs> so so what are those? So what are some things? Yeah, be in the top be in the top 10%. Um, I always think law review is really important. Yeah. 
But um, in addition to networking, I'm trying to think of what are things other than the academics and going to career services, are there any other kind of unique ideas that you would communicate to students or maybe some of the ones you pass along during your, in your course? Honestly, I think even putting law review, grades, where you went to school aside, the most important thing is the relationships you build and how you build those and the quality of your network. And I know, you know, networking is, it's a vast thing to talk about, but really, you know, having gone to Southwestern, most of my friends and even myself, the reason why we got our jobs was because of the people that we knew. Mm-hmm. And this whole concept of the hidden job market, are, are you familiar with this? No, the- what is the hidden job market? Right. So um, people who go to schools like Southwestern are very familiar with this concept because that's how those those are the jobs we get. Right. So let me let me just say when you say like Southwestern, you mean like an unranked law school. Okay, Unranked. Okay, Continue. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I would I would say any law school that's outside of, you know, the top 50. Right. Right. Um, And there's a lot of students who go to those schools. And, you know, I I I had a great Western did great by me um, and, you know, is a great school, but it's a challenge, um, especially in a saturated market like Los Angeles, for example, where you're competing with all these other higher ranked schools. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. So the, the, the idea is, you know, there's, 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 there's three types of ways that people get jobs, right? There's the, um, the traditional way, which is the posted job, right? Mm -hmm. And that is for someone who goes to an unranked law school, the hardest way to get that job. If you apply on Simplicity, for example, if you apply through LinkedIn and this job is only, you know, they post the job up and they're only looking for T14 schools. Right. Your resume goes nowhere. Plus you don't know one there. So it's just a black hole. It's a waste of your time. Then there's the, what I call the hybrid way, Mm -hmm. where you actually do know people at that firm um, it is a posted job, but people on the back end know you, and they're, that's how I got my job at Jones Day. They, they pushed my resume because they knew me, and they were like, you got to hire this girl, mm-hmm. and I got a job, right? That's the hybrid way. Then there's this hidden job market way. It's completely not a posted job. It okay. doesn't post it anywhere. Oftentimes, the firm doesn't even know they need help yet. However, <laughs> the people who work at the firm realize that they just took on 20 new cases. They're looking for associates. They need the help. They don't even have time to hire, but they know this great girl who went to Southwestern, who they met, who's been, you know, meeting with them and talking with them and they, they, they see her value. And they're like, you know what? I, I got to call that girl who I've been meeting, who, who I've been taking out to coffee over the past six months and just kind of updating me on her life. We should hire her. That job was never posted. Wow. Meet with anyone. Right. And, and, you know, and, and just, just the mere fact that you took it upon yourself to have the initiative to go meet with them, says yes. to those employers, yes. you're the kind of person they want. You're a go-getter. Yes. You're a go-getter and you're a good fit. And, you know, they like you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I got my Jones Day job. I didn't get, you know, I, Jones Day to this day doesn't hire, doesn't come on campus to Southwestern, right? They will collect resumes from Southwestern and they'll look at the top two people. I wasn't that, right? Mm-hmm. The, I got my job there was I was working at public council, which is a pro bono law firm. Um, they, they had a summer program. I was working there in my first year. Jones Day sends lawyers. I met one of the lawyers there. Um, she found out I had a film background. I used to make documentary films. Oh, wow. It, yeah. I mean, it's completely random. We decided to make a documentary film about our homeless client that we were working with about as she transitioned from a homeless shelter to stable housing. We made this film together. The film did amazing. It actually raised some money for the organization. And through this process, the Jones Day lawyer was like, this Rachel girl, she's great. Hmm. 
know, she's organized. She has this advocacy talent. You know, it had nothing to do with the law. It was about to know me. We cared about the same stuff. She pushed my resume on the back end at the firm until they brought me in for a callback interview. Hmm. You know, and and by the time I came in, she had talked me up so much to the firm. It was like, I knew everyone already. That's (laughs) great. It it is all about relationships and and that person on the back end, who's going to push for you and think of you when opportunities come up. So that's interesting. I mean, the hidden job market is that's, that's a really interesting idea. I spoke with the um, Dean of Career Services at Brooklyn Law School, and we were talking about what happens if you don't get a job at OCI. And she said, only 20% of the students at Brooklyn Law School get jobs in the fall. And the reason why is because most of the law firms, the mid-sized to smaller law firms, they don't know what they need for the summer until like March or April. And I think that fits fits hand in hand with your hidden job market concept. Yeah, no, it's right. It's right. And they don't even know that they have the need until they know the person and think of, oh, they'd be a good fit and they bring them in. This is how, I mean, honestly, how a lot of people from my law school get their jobs, their first jobs, their second jobs, their 10th jobs is through process. It's all about the network that you've built to sustain those kind of relationships. Wonderful. All right. So let me pivot a little bit and ask you a question that I get asked a lot. So I teach at Pace Law School. We have a very strong environmental law program and we have concentrations. We have a criminal law concentration and we have a family law concentration. And students ask, will having a concentration on my resume help me get a better job in that area? What do you think the answer is? I don't know. I mean, what's the answer to that? So, you know, and I have a whole program in, in the book and in my class on, on resume building, right? Okay. So I think anytime that you get specific, it is a good thing. Um, and certainly if you are, um, if you are targeting certain areas, the fact that you've taken the initiative and specialized in something and they see that on your resume is, can only be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I have the same response that I have to everything that, that while you're doing that, you need to be shaking your apple tree within that specialization. You need to get in good with the professors. You need to um, have them reach out to their networks. I would think that uh, since they're specializing in that, they come from that world, they have connections. I would push on them to intru- make introductions to you. I mean, because once again, your resume is just a piece of paper. If you don't have those connections built out um, in that specialty, for example, entertainment law out here is a big one. Right. A lot of my students want to break inter- entertainment. Southwestern has a specialty in entertainment. Most of those uh, students, they graduate and they are unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, and, and yet they leave all those connections on the table because they thought, oh, since I was in the specialty program, a job will be, you know, the golden apple at the end of, you know, at the end of it for me. Uh you got you got you got to work those connections from the beginning um, of those people involved in that specialty. You know what? That's the answer. The answer is that the specialty can enhance you, but it's not yes. going to guarantee you a job in that area. And 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 the theme that's running through everything you're saying is that it's really you have to have your own agency here. You are in charge of yourself, and you know, career services is not going to get you the job, and having nope. the um, concentration is not going to get you the job. But those things can be part of all the other um, jewels that you can use in the crown that you want to build for lack of that's technology. Right. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. You cannot delegate it, you know, but you should definitely, if that's something that you want to do, definitely put the effort there, but be thinking bigger picture and don't get right. locked in just this idea that somehow it's going to all work out because it right. won't. You make right. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. So, and then uh, now let me ask you another question. Students who don't have a job in May, do you just take the bar 
and not yes. worry about it? Or do yes. you worry about it while you're studying for the bar? What do you suggest on that? Right. So in my class, this happens a lot, um, mm-hmm. more than I like, you know, and, 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 or, or I've even had students of mine who took the bar and then find out they didn't pass. Right. And then they have to just sort of re rethink again and, and go through that process. Um, you know, I think it's to always be in the back of your mind, you know, you're not, you're, you're no longer doing the half an hour or an hour that I recommend a day of, of sending out emails and doing the research because you really do need to focus on the bar. However, mm-hmm. email here and there, um, you know, a warm connection, a check-in here and there, um, mm-hmm. you should, right? Because you, you can't study for the bar 24-7. There should be some periods of time where you just, you send off these missives to people like checking in. Oh, hey, I'm studying for the bar. I just wanted to give you an update, whatever. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be the daily practice that I normally recommend because yeah, you, you need to pass the bar. That should be your focus there. And actually the class that I, one of the classes I taught at Southwestern only focused on recent grads who had taken the bar. So oh. by then, you know, they had taken the bar and they could focus a hundred percent on these techniques. And I had a hundred percent employment from that class. By the wow. Way. Wow. And I'm assuming yeah. some of those students are a little shy. How do you get students to Oh. that hurdle of like making the first call. I don't want to bother people. You know, I, just, I feel like that. I don't want to bother them. You know, I don't either. And I think, I think, I think I make it happen because I really connect with my students because I am the ultimate introvert personally. I don't I, believe that. Sorry. No, no. It's, it's <laughs> really true. Bad, no, I know it's crazy <laughs> on this topic. No, but in life, really, I am happy as just reading a book in a corner with headphones on and, you know, eyeglasses. Um, but you know, you have to, I have exercises in my book for this. You got to push through that stuff. You have to put yourself out there because how, if you don't, serendipity cannot take effect, right? Right. The things that happen when you do put yourself out there are amazing. And every single one, and I've, it's now been hundreds of students that I've either mentored or who've gone through my class or have done the book have come back to me and told me, you won't believe what happened. When I, when this person and this person who I reached out, who I met with, who they called or this, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's an amazing thing that happens when you actually put yourself out there. And look, I tell students, you're going to have awkward interviews. Mm-hmm. There's terrible things that happen to you. You're going to get rejected. Right. Things are going to happen. And you know what? Court those experiences. You want those experiences because they actually do make you stronger and better. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, I self-generated several callback interviews at firms that had never interviewed a Southwestern just through my hustle techniques, right? Mm-hmm. I got into these interviews, except for, you know, not Jones Day, but they treated, these firms were really rude to me. Actually, one of them straight up, the guy asked me, why didn't you transfer? <laughs> Which wow. is a whole question yeah. to get when you're, you know, they clearly did not actually want to be interviewing me. And, and, you know, in the moment, those experiences were really um, demoralizing and, and not so fun, but they did get, I did build grit from, mm-hmm. and by the time I got to my Jones day interview, I nailed it because yeah. I was a confident person. And, and as an introvert, as a shy person, I needed to get to work out my kinks, which is why I always tell my students interview for everything yeah. This that career services is often, <laughs> they don't love that, but you know what interview for everything. Cause you only get better with each experience. You know what? That that's great advice. Actually, as you do this, I'm thinking. Believe it or not, about dating because you know, <laughs> people do. And when when I have you know uh, students or friends who are dating and they're like, I had a bad date, and I'm like, it's just another frog closer to your you know princess yep. or what have you. Um. So yeah, I think that 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 it's every one of those bad interviews is a teachable moment. And the other thing is, no pain, no gain. You know, you got to do. The more you do, the better you yeah. increase your odds. And you just need one. You just need one yes. And I mean, I guess that's one other question I have for you is that, so you have your first job and you do your first job for three years or what have you. 
Um, and then do you go back to your playbook again when you're ready to move on? Frankly, I, I, and I have a chapter on this. You, 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 you continue to use the playbook on day one of your first job and, and into it, right? Because you have, you know, if you work at a firm, you have internal clients, then you need to be networking with internal partners and job givers and the plum assignment givers Mm -hmm. to know that you want them to know your name. You want them to, you want them to think of you. So I don't think these efforts ever go away, right? Mm -hmm. You, to be a hustler once you even have the job, actually even more so if you're going to do well um, in a firm or at the government or at any of these places that have, you know, a structured hierarchy, you have to find a way to shine. The way to do that is by building relationships and, you know, hustling your way into the better, you know, moving on up. Right. Right. And, you know, as far as if you're working in a small firm or, or if you have your own firm, um, business development, isn't it the same thing? Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the playbook transfer—it it doesn't go away. It has to become actually a daily, a core practice. Mm-hmm. Um, how how you live your life—you cannot slack, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I I love this. I love that the book gives you strategies. I love that the book gives you exercises to practice. Yes. Um, what chapter would you say people think is like the must-read chapter of your book? Um, I I'm think, sure they all are, but like, if you had to pick one, what would it be? Uh, the relationship that the, um, the making and sustaining the building your network chapter, I think is really the core of my program. You know, the other stuff, you know, people, I think initially law students just want to turn to the resume chapter. Cause like, oh, I want my resume to be perfect. And it's like, no, really it's, it's your resume will get, per, will become perfect as you grow in this process, as you learn to, to do your elevator pitch, as you understand what your narrative, what you're bringing to the table, um, to communicate that as you start to get better, but really it is about how do I research, reach out and connect with people. And that's that chapter um, that has a step-by-step process and scripts, you know, for those people who are scared about, well, what do I say? I have some templates in there that are proven that my students have used that work that actually respond to you. It sounds unbelievable. So that's the Law Career Playbook. And it's so great to hear that it is on Amazon and doing as well as it it should. It deserves the recommendation. What, anything else you want to add? (laughs) No, I mean, no, it's great to talk to you. I love, I, as you can tell, I get, uh, I get very excited about this. I really want to get the word out because I know how much it will help law students and college students who are interested in law to really build this out. Um, you know, it's just for me, the challenge is just getting, what do these guys read? What do they look at? What are they interested in? How do I get the word out to them? So, you know, I, I thank you so much for helping me do that. <laughs> well, and, and I would say not just law, like I'm thinking about, you know, my stepson who's looking for a job. He's in college right now and he needs to network. He wants to work in sports management, you know? how Right. Oh so, yeah. I feel like there's another book in this called just the career playbook. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> Can students find you on Twitter or on Instagram or anywhere? Yes. So where are you on all of those social media platforms? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm at Law Career Lab on Instagram and Twitter, I believe. On Facebook, um, my Facebook is open to the world. It's Rachel Tessa Gezersay. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well. And I accept all LinkedIn um, because LinkedIn is such a huge part of my program. Any student um, college or law student who, who reaches out to me can access my network through LinkedIn. And I, I make that promise. I'll make introductions for people. So please do follow me on LinkedIn. Cause that's, it's, you know, uh, people who take that initiative, I have hooked up for job uh, opportunities before. So very few people actually take it. So that's my challenge to your listeners. That's wonderful. All right. I challenge the listeners too. 
Um, well, thank you. This has been really wonderful and, and so informative for my students. And what I like about it most is that it speaks to all of us students. I mean, one of the problems with careers is that there's this perception, not for students before they go to law school, but for students once they're in law school, that if they're not in the top 10%, they're just, you know, no one cares about them. But we right. care about everybody. And, right. um, you know, if you decide to go to law school, uh, the law school wants to see number one, that you pass the bar number two, that you get a job. I mean, the last thing anyone wants to do is, is kind of, you know, provide you an education and not see you take that education and do something valuable with it. So, right. Um, no, absolutely. It's great to talk to you. This has been really you fun. Too. So that's our discussion with Rachel Gersesay. Take her up on her offer to connect on LinkedIn. She promises to connect you, and I believe what she says. Speaking of social media, once again, a plea. If you like us, it would be great if you could rate us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. We now have a Facebook page, too, called Law to Fact. And as always, you can reach us through our blog, www.lawtofact.com, or reach us at lawtofact at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to www.bensound for the music, and enjoy your day.